Hello friends, I'm Vance Rains, Senior Pastor of First Church Coral Springs. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this is a source of inspiration and faith as you grow in your walk with Christ. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Again, yeah. So today we're uh, going to start just a short little three-week series uh, that I'm calling Life as Liturgy. Life as Liturgy. You know what life is. I mean, life is everything, right? Our work, our play, our rest, everything we do with our lives. Liturgy may not be a word that you're as familiar with. It's a churchy word. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard the word used outside of church. Uh, Usually when we use the word liturgy, we refer to those things that we do Uh, in our more traditional worship services. So uh, when we say creeds together or call to worship, well, we just said the Lord's Prayer together. That's kind of a a liturgical thing to do. The colors of the different seasons, the days we observe, all of that would fall under what churches use the expression liturgy. But I want to use the word in a little more broader context today. Liturgy means the work of the people the work of the people. And so what it means in a a worship context is that worship isn't a spectator sport. It's not entertainment. It's not something you sit back and watch people do. The idea is that when we come together, we worship together. We stand together. We sit together. We sing together. We pray together. You may have leaders up front leading us, but we're all doing it together. And so this was a liturgical service, uh, just like our traditional services are because we're all participating we're all contributing we're all being part of it but but I want to stretch the word even further today life as liturgy we often think of worship as what we do here on Sunday mornings for for an hour or if I preach longer longer than an hour Um, but but really worship is is expressed in many ways one expression of worship is what we do here at church But the word worship means to give God glory, to proclaim God's worth. And so isn't it true that everything in our lives ought to be worship? That that everything we do in, in, in life ought to be an expression, a declaration of God's goodness and worth. So if you put all that together, if we worship, if everything we do is worship in life, here and in the world, then then life is liturgy. Then how we live our lives are, are, are different ways that we work, different ways that we are expressing who God is out in the world. Isn't when I when I make a phone call. Uh, or, or when I respond to a text, in a sense, isn't that liturgy? It, it, when, when I, uh, I don't, but when I or you build a house and use power tools, in a sense, that liturgy. Or when we write a, an article for a newspaper, or when we teach a class, or when we balance somebody's books, or, or uh, when we administer medicine, or when we feed our kids at home, isn't, isn't all of that liturgy? I'm going, to stretch that, I'm going to stretch that out just a little bit today. How many work? How many of you are workers? Not everybody rose their hands. I didn't ask how many are paid workers. If, if, if I were to say, uh, let's include with work volunteering. Let's include with work taking care of our families and our homes and ourselves. That includes laundry and taking out the trash and, and all kinds of things. How many of you are workers? 
Oh, all the hands just went up, except for a few of you. I'm more wondering about you, what you get to do. Must be nice, right? right? Everything we do, everything we do is an opportunity in our work to worship God. Now, now, now I want to say just a word. I, I think what we do here on Sunday mornings is incredibly important. Because I think we need that weekly check-in with God, that, 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 that moment to step out of, of all of the world's distractions and pressures and values to come together, to refocus ourselves. And so when I think about what we do here in worship, I, I think of it a little bit as how we end the week, that after a week of, of just, you know, being pulled in a thousand directions, we come back to recenter ourselves. But I also think of it as the beginning of the week. This is where the week starts. We, we kind of recenter ourselves and then we go back out. Anybody remember the old TV show MASH? MASH, right? M- Mobile Army, Army Surgical Hospital, right? MASH. I, I, I think of, this may not be exactly great analogy, but I, I think of worship as a little bit like MASH. Like you come in off the battlefield to get healed, to get rested, to, to get kind of put back together. And then you head back out into the world again, you know, kind of, kind of ready for the battle of whatever the world will bring. I think that's what worship is. But the reality is the war wasn't won at the MASH unit, was it? Right? I mean, that the action is out there in the field. I think the same thing's true for us, that our Christianity isn't fulfilled in here. This is just part of our overall Christian life, which really happens for the most part out there in the world. Leslie Newbegin, who was a missionary, said, the primary work of the church in the world is the action of its members in their daily work. I mean, here's the, the truth about Josiah and I is we, we do our work here for the most part. We're kind of living in this little kind of bubble. Um, and that's our calling. That, that makes sense. But, but we don't interact with most of the world most of the time because we're, we're here. But you guys are out there in the world and you have the opportunity to interact with all kinds of people, many of which will never walk through any church at all, much less ours. And so you have the opportunity and through your daily interactions... To let them know who God is through the way you do your work. It's it's, it's your participation in what God is doing in the world. Uh, There's a young Episcopal priest by the name of Tish Harrison Warren. She says it this way. The work we do together each week in gathered worship, that's what we're doing right now, transforms and sends us into the work we do in our homes and offices. Likewise, our professional vocational work is part of the mission and meaning of our gathered worship. We are people who are blessed and sent. This identity transforms how we embody work and worship in the world, in our week, and even in our small day. Now, some of our work we do for pay. I've already said that. Some of our work we do just for survival. You know, you got you to eat. Right? You need clean clothes, I hope. Um, you know, it's just, there's, there's just things we do for survival. And then there's some things we do that are volunteering. It's a, a free giving of our time for the benefit of others. But all of it, I want to suggest today, is, a, is an opportunity to worship. Did you know in the Bible, before there was ever any expression of worship, there was already work? Did you know that work came before worship in the Bible? Second chapter, 15th verse, God creates Adam, and notice what it says. The Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it 
and take care of it. It says it immediately. He, he forms it from the dust of the ground. He breathes into his nostrils. He's a living being and he puts him to work. Adam's not even out of diapers yet. And God has him raking leaves in the Garden of Eden. He's out there mowing the grass. He's out there trimming the hedges. It sounds a lot like work I did early in life. Those were my first jobs, mowing yards and sweeping walks and, 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 and raking leaves. That, that, you know. But that, the Bible says that's what we were created for, to work, to take care of God's creation, to tend it, to nurture it, to, to, to help it continue the work of creation. God created it, but creation recreates, right? Trees continue to bear fruit. Crops continue to bear uh, new crops each year. And that's our job is to participate in the ongoing creative work of the world. Diana, Diana Butler Bass says, creating the world with God. I love that expression. Creating the world with God, an active and ever-present partner, is the primary human vacation, vocation. Not vacation, vocation. We'll talk about vacation in a minute. Now, this is a, a, a strange quote, but I just try to wrap your mind around it. It's from a book called Playing God by a guy named Andy Crouch, where he talks about the way we use the power God gives us. He says this, all true being, that means our existence. We can be doers or beers, right? We're more than doers. It's, it's who we were created to be. All true being strives to create more being and to expend its power in the creation of flourishing environments for variety in life and to thrust back the chaos that limits our true being. It means that life is meant to flourish. Life is meant to be a place where we can live life to the fullest. Jesus said that, living in abundance. He goes on. In doing so, it creates other bodies and invites them into mutual creation and tending of the world, building relations where, relationships where there had been none. Thus, they then cooperate together in creating more power and more, for more creation. And the process goes on. It means we make babies, and they grow up, and they participate in the work of the world. And they make babies, and they participate in the work of the world. And it's all about making creation into what God intended it to be. Something good, and something healthy, and something flourishing. That's what we were created for, to participate in the ongoing work of God's creation. And so Paul writes in the New Testament, the same kind of stuff, Galatians 6, 9 through 10. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. You ever get weary at work? You ever get weary of your work? Liars. I mean, we all do, right? We're going to talk about that next week. That's why he gave us Sabbath. We're going to talk about that. Never become weary. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, that means, you know, in, in, in biblical times growing, you sowed seed and at the end of the season, you reaped the harvest of what you had planted. He says, like, when you do good, it will produce later a good harvest. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, if you do not work for pay, uh, you, you may have a, a stronger sense of what your work is as a service. As I say, if you uh, are not worked for, for pay, but you take care of your grandchildren, or you manage your household, or you volunteer in the community or here at the church, you may have a sense that, that what you do is a service. You, you do good. But, but I want to argue this morning that even if you're paid 
for what you do, could that not also be a service? I mean, does our work only have to be about a paycheck? Or could we see our work as what we do to serve the common good in partnership with God? Can't all work in some way be a service? Uh, my father-in-law uh, is a salesman. He's been a salesman for his whole life, and most of his life he's sold uh, insurance and life, life insurance, health insurance, and investments, and he's been quite successful at what he does. And he could have, re- he could have retired decades ago, but he keeps working. And if you ask him why, he'll say, I just like to help people. For him, it's not about the money. He keeps making money. He says, it's not about the money. He says, I just... I just like to help people. Given the choice of golfing or working, he chooses work because he sees purpose in it. He sees it as his opportunity to serve. Can't all of our work be service? Thomas Merton, who is a monk, talking about kind of the contrast of what we consider worship usually and and then just life, he says this, cutting wood, clearing ground, cutting grass, cooking soup, drinking fruit juice, sweating, washing, making fire, smelling smoke, sweeping, this is religion. This is religion. He's talking about, you know, you might think it's when I'm wearing my robe and we're chanting, you know, chanting psalms and all that. He goes, no, like life, life is worship. Life is religion. Then he goes on to say, the further one gets away from this, these ordinary things, the more one sinks into the mud of words and gestures the flies gather. (laughs) I mean, if this is the whole of our Christian experience, just what we do for one hour a week, that that isn't, we're, we're not getting it. So let's return to this idea that Paul talks about, about doing good work. What is good work? Not just work, but what is good work? Work. He says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. I think you'd agree with me that there's a lot of work in the world that isn't good. I mean, there's a lot of people who are making a lot of money in this world. They're working hard, but they're not doing good work. In, in fact, if we could be honest for a moment, there's some, there's some socially acceptable forms of work. There's some things that you and I could do to become quite respectable people in this world and live very comfortable lives, and it's not good work. You can't call work good if it's destructive or violent. There's a lot of work out there that really, when it boils down to it, is nothing more than for selfish gain. There's work out there that damages the goodness of God's creation. There's work out there that dehumanizes people, takes advantage of people. There's criminal work out there. If we're going to be honest, some work isn't good. Some work is evil. What kind of work are we called to do? Whereas I would say good work is the kind of work that makes this world a better place. The kind of work that we know God is at work doing in the world through us. It's about work that contributes to the well-being of others. It's work that builds up, not tears down. It's work that blesses, it doesn't curse. It's work that ultimately is about the well-being of others, that advances the kingdom, that provides a needed, valuable service. Desmond Tutu says, you do not need to be a churchman to live a surrendered life. All of us can trust that choosing goodness will always ultimately result in creating goodness. Did you hear that? 
Choosing goodness results in creating goodness. Or put it another way, Dr. King said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. There's a greatness in serving. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. That's what we're called to be, people who are loving, serving, giving, contributing people, and we do it through our work. Paul goes on to say, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, so just think about your week this week. What did you do? How much of it was playtime? How much of it was rest time? How much of it was taking care of your body? How much of it was taking care of your, your kids? How much of it was, was taking care of your home? How much of it was at the job, working? Whatever you do, Paul says, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. In essence, he's saying, whatever you do, whoever you work for, view it as an opportunity to serve. See it as an opportunity to worship. Who's your boss? I, gentlemen, I, I know what you just said. I heard, I heard you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. Who do we work for? Is it, is it your employer? Is it your, your, uh, is it your boss that works out of some corporate office somewhere? Is it uh, some politician? Is it, uh, I mean, who's your boss? Well, the Bible says it's God, right? I mean, you may report to a manager here on earth. There may be an owner of your company, uh, but, but you work for God. God is the one you are serving. And so think about that. When you are at your work, whatever it is, for work or for volunteering, the gifts you're using, right? The abilities you're using, the talent you're using, the, the body you're using, who gave you those? God, of course, right? Think, think about the decisions you have to make at your work. Think about your interactions. Think about the opportunity to live according to a certain moral, ethical standard. Think about the integrity that you use at your workplace. That's an opportunity to worship and honor God. Let's be honest, we've all done this. It is easy to come to church and yell at your spouse and kids all the way in the car, into the parking lot, and then before you open the door, everybody, okay, get it together, put a smile on your face, right? You, you cuss at the other drivers driving down sample, but you get out of the car like that. Those words aren't going to come out while we're on the property, right? And we, we hold it together for an hour sometimes, and then we get back in the car and like, okay. <laughs> and then you get back, right? At work, are you as that careful? I mean, sometimes at work, our language changes a little, doesn't it? Sometimes at work, our, our, the way we interact with people, the way we treat people isn't as always as nice as we do here at church. Work is where we are revealed. Work is where the true thing about us is most shown. Work is where we have an opportunity to reveal who Christ is at work in me. Now, let's be honest about something else. Sometimes work's boring, Sometimes work is a pain in the neck. 
Sometimes work isn't fun. Sometimes work is a chore. Sometimes, sometimes work is, is nothing more than a paycheck. Now listen, there, there are some of us that, 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 you know, we work so that we can provide for our families. That's an honorable thing. And that maybe you even have a true sense of vocation, but it isn't what you do for your paycheck. You do it in your volunteer time, maybe here at church or serving somewhere else. That's okay. Your, your, your job doesn't have to be the ultimate calling, but... Even if you don't love your work, there's an opportunity there to keep your character in check. There's an opportunity there to still participate in doing good. And that's important. Because if we don't, how does it serve God if we go to our work with a bad attitude? How how does it honor and serve God if we cut corners at work because we don't care? How does it honor and serve God and reveal his love if we treat our coworkers and our employees uh, and our, our clients rudely, right? We, they don't see who we actually are. There's this, there's this uh, old expression, if you love what you do, you'll never what? Work a day in your life. Wouldn't that be great if we could approach our work as, this is my worship. Yeah, I get a paycheck, but this is where I show up every day to worship God. Instead, how many people get to work and from the minute they walk in and punch in, they're looking at the clock till five o'clock gets here. And they're counting the days till Friday gets here. And they're counting the weeks and months until vacation gets here. And by the way, I'm leaving after 11 o'clock service on a cruise. So uh, see ya. Um, (laughs) And how many are counting the weeks and months and years until retirement? I don't think that's what God intended for us, right? I read a Gallup poll this week that says the average American, working, paid working American, works 50 hours a week. That's the average. A lot of us are working more than full-time, 50 hours a week. And the average full-time worker will work about 40 years. That doesn't include the part-time job at Starbucks when you're in college. It doesn't include the part-time work you're going to do, you know, greeting at Walmart when you retire. It doesn't count that. But just think about that, 50 hours a week for 50 years, that's 100,000 hours of your life. Do you really want 100,000 hours of having a bad attitude? Do you really want to spend 100,000 hours that it means nothing more than the paycheck you receive every couple weeks? Do you really want to spend 100,000 hours of your life not feeling like it has purpose or meaning or value? One of my strongest memories of of childhood is how much my dad hated his work. My dad worked for this company. I could tell you the company name. I have no idea what he did because he hated it. He hated his work. And because he hated it, he did it for his entire career from start to finish. Same company. He hated it. He was miserable. That meant every morning when he was getting ready, was he in a good mood? No, he was miserable. And every day when he got home from his lousy job, you know, did he he cheer up immediately, walked in the door? He was miserable. And guess what? That made us pretty miserable too. He wasn't a lot of fun to be around. So I made this decision early on. I am not going to do a job that I that makes me miserable. I just I mean that was that was kind of instilled in me because I like I am not going to be this unhappy in life. So right after college, I got a job, uh, corporate sales. Uh, uh, creating and selling business forms. 
Invoice, yeah, I know, I know. Invoices, uh, billing statements, payroll. Uh, Some of you are old enough, you remember, remember you used to get a thing in the mail and it would say, fold it here, fold it here, bend this over, rip off the tab, pull out the thing. You remember? I made those, (laughs) right? Your utility mailer, you know, it came in that little thing and you opened it, right? I had a great boss. I made good money. I had fun people to work with. I was so for I didn't I didn't deserve that job. I was so fortunate to get it and I hated it. I hated it. I mean it was just like I nothing wrong with making business forms. It just was not the way God wired me. And so at the same time, we, we had become active in church and we were volunteering in the youth ministry. And every Wednesday night I would go and I'd help with the youth. And I can so distinctly what, remember one Wednesday afternoon, I'm sitting in my cubicle and I'm, you know, designing a multi-part carbonless form and I'm looking at the clock. Okay, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer? Because I was so excited about getting to church and volunteering. I was excited. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden, this idea popped in my head. Wouldn't it be great if I could just work at the church all the time? I could just be there all the time. What was I thinking? Uh, that, <laughs> kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. Mostly it was a joke. But I dismissed it at first. I'm like, I can't do that. I got to be responsible. I just got this degree. I need to get, you know, this business job, right? They would never hire somebody like me at church. And then one Wednesday night, not long after that, the pastor was up there. And he started talking to me, and it came up. And then a couple months later, I became the youth director. And a couple years later, I went to seminary and became a pastor. And you, you know the rest of the story. So the moral of the story is if you hate your job, you need to become a pastor. <laughs> that is not the moral of the story. Though I will say, God does call people like Josiah and I to work full-time in the church. I mean, that, like, that's what we are done. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here this morning that God's been tugging at your heart that It's time to enter into this particular kind of vocation. But what I want to say today is that we're not not the only ministers in the room. We're all ministers. Our ministry is here at the church. Your ministry very likely is out there in the world. And I guess I would go a little further and say, you know, if your job is making you miserable, maybe you need to quit. I mean, firstly, can I I do this in a way that, that honors God, and if the answer is no, I'm just miserable here, then you need to quit and find something else to do. Find something else to do, then quit. That's probably better. But <laughs> don't, don't live your entire working life miserable because our work is our worship. Our work is our worship. Our life is our liturgy. What we do, how we, how we expend the energy, the time, the talents, the t- effort, all of that is our way of loving, serving God and participating in his work of creation. Your work is your worship. And so I say to you today, whatever you do, whatever you do, for pay, not for pay, volunteering, taking care of your family, taking care of your grandkids, whatever you do in your neighborhood, taking care of your house, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Let's pray. And so, Lord, I pray that you take every piece of our lives, just this, this room right here, these people gathered here, every bit of it, what we do when we're at our jobs and what we do when we're not at our jobs, for what we get paid for and for what we don't get paid for, for the 
for the fun parts, the creative parts, the exciting parts, and the boring parts, and the, and the challenging parts, and the difficult parts. Lord, take it all. And may it honor and worship you. May it serve your kingdom. May it make this world a better place. And for those of us, Lord, that may be struggling with our work, may not feel a sense of purpose in it, would you speak to our hearts about how you would use, how you have us use our time and our talents? Would you open doors possibly for us so that we can serve you more? And maybe there's somebody in the room, Lord, this morning that you're calling to a surprising calling, to, to a surprising vocation, to something they weren't expecting, but you're speaking to their heart right now. Don't let them go, Lord. May it be the beginning of them finding their purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about First Church and our ministries, visit us online at welovefirst.church.